Did you know that there's 1.5 million nonprofits in the U.S. today, and over 10 million worldwide, and 30% of nonprofits fell within the first one to five years? Hey guys, I have a great show for us today. Today's show, I have Aaron Manfredi on the show today. I'm so excited to have him and interview him. Now, Aaron has been in the nonprofit world for a little while here. He's learned over the years how to run a successful nonprofit, but most excitingly, he's put a show together that he's going to be launching here soon. And I'm excited to have him on the show. So let's get to work. You're listening to the Purpose Driven Person podcast. This podcast is made for leaders unwilling to give up their desires to be purpose driven. Guys, I made this show for a compass for you to have more purpose in leadership through four concepts: creation, communication, collaboration, and connection in both business and in life. My name is Matthew Leland Cox. I'm the founder of Never Give Up Youth Healing Center, Never Give Up Wellness Center, and Never Give Up Foundation. You can find me at matthewlelandcox.com. Are you ready? Well, let's do this. All right, welcome to the show. I'm excited about this show. I have a special guest, uh, uh, Aaron Manfredi. Did I say that right, Aaron? Yes. Okay, good. I'm one of those short bus kids, Aaron. You're used to those kids. <laughs> we'll talk a little about that some more. And I'm excited excited to have Aaron on the show because Aaron has a pretty pretty um, interesting pass in, in, in career. Uh, you fell into nonprofit, but let's start, let's go back a little, Aaron, so that those jumping on, they understand where you came from. Uh, you started out in uh, corrections. Uh, tell us a little about what your career and how you ended up in nonprofit work, and then we'll get into the, the gritty stuff. Well, I was for juvenile probation right here in Las Vegas, Clark County. I was an educator for the school district, coached high school football, And helped out with other sports. So um, when I was in juvenile probation, I worked in quite a few different, you know, departments um, in booking and then high security unit, female unit, um, house arrest. And so uh, I knew that, that that wasn't my final calling. It was a great experience for me. And I was uh, looking and waiting for a, a new opportunity. So, so when you finally came into working, uh, how long did you stay in corrections? Was it five years? Five years. Five years. Did you enjoy it, or was I, it? I really did. Okay. Yeah, I really enjoyed law enforcement. Like I said, the military background. My whole family is law enforcement. And, um, you know, retired now, but that's just the way I'm. You know, I'm wired, hardwired, and so, um, you know, I tested for other departments and knew that. Came very close back in the early days of Vegas. They weren't hiring like they were they are now. So, um, you know, my rank wasn't high enough for uh, to be brought on. And I was in education, and I gave it one last try, and with juvenile probation, and uh, six, seven hundred of us tested. And I was the second one hired. Oh, wow! So you went right into it. Went right into it. Yeah, I knew. I knew at that point that you know that was my calling, and that's where I was supposed to be. So five years ago, um, things have changed since then, Absolutely. and then it led up to now when you felt you you told me a little about the story before the show uh, about falling into a nonprofit situation. Tell us a little about how that came because that's why I wanted you on the show is the good work you've done over the years with uh, kids with intellectual disabilities and and physical. 
Um, how'd you fall into that? That's so crazy from law enforcement to nonprofit. So what happened was a friend of a friend of mine's uh, adult, well, he was 16, son was diagnosed with Asperger's, mm-hmm. which is high functioning autism. Asperger's is no longer recognized, but at the time it was, and we still do, it's high functioning autism. And he had asked because of my um, special ed background, if I could help him find a job. And he knew that I knew a lot of people. So um, I helped him get a job. I can't remember where it was. I want to say it was like at Kohl's or some kind of retail store. So um, I got him a job real easy. I I was his advocate. We went and I gave him some coaching. And um, for me, it was an easy transition. So uh, from that, uh, they had another friend's friend uh, needed uh, needed a job. So then I was doing a second person. And then I thought, well, this is really easy for me and I enjoy doing it. It's a great give back. So I went online and was seeing if there's any type of organizations that I can volunteer with and take it to a different level. And then there was. And so at the time it was called the Achievement Academy. Oh yeah. And Barbie Lauder has been in this town a long time and it was a K through 12 school mm-hmm. for um, kiddos with autism. Yeah, Alpha Pecos in 2015, and so she, the recession closed her school down, and then she, a couple years had gone by, several years had gone by, and she was asked to come back into, or work with the state, but deal with adults 17 years and older. She has two sons that have, um, you know, special needs, and so they were getting older, and that was now her demographic. So I called her up, she had a small office behind the Rio, and I said, I'm Polaris, and I called her up, called her up and said, hey, could I, um, you know, do some, can I help you out? And she brought me in and said, well, I got 17 files on my desk. I'm a voc rehab um, contractor with the state of Nevada, which falls under the Dieter umbrella. umbrella. And I said, uh, I said, sure. She's like, okay. Well, after about two hours of talking, getting to know each other, she gave me seven files and participants right and i met with the families and within i want to say 10 11 days all some seven of them were working wow so then i thought wow this is this is what i was really looking for i knew that that this is more of my calling there was some flexibility with it i like being out you know in the public meeting new people um inviting i was invited to a lot of different workshops and just people i would never have access to by working in a jail so this drive, th- th- would you say it sparked a purpose that you didn't know about that after you started working with her, when you saw those kids get jobs, uh, did it just light something that was different than doing pro? It was because, you know, I have two master's degrees mm-hmm. and have gone through a lot of training with the school district, outside of the district, out of the community. And, you know, I was now able to tie all that in together and apply it towards something. And that's exactly what that was. And, you know, for me, it was um, seeing a kid's face and their family um, after they've been uh, sitting at home and sitting on the couch on the couch and they have high IQs, they're, they're very capable of working. Seeing them work, take the city bus, get the driver's license. To me, that was, now I felt, that was the rewarding, you know, part that I, that I was looking for. I needed and now I got it. Well, I think it's interesting com- coming from military to parole officer or j- is it parole officer? Or was it, was it, it um, juvenile, ju- juvenile 
now to helping kids with high intellectual disabilities or intellectual disabilities to get jobs. And something I just share with you, I think we talked about it. I was one of those kids. So I actually, vocational rehab put me through my bachelor's. I, I was a short bus kid, if you want to call it <laughs> the term back in the day, you know. Um, yeah. And what that means is it affected my reading and writing. So I'm grateful for people like you because I remember the vocational rehab I worked with was out of St. George, Utah. And Bunny was my counselor. I still remember her from this day. Sweet lady. And I had an individual like yourself that would take me to the college and kind of give me some guidance. I was high functioning, um, but I just needed that push because it is, it's, it's overwhelming when you're told from high school that you'll never do anything. And uh, you're not good. I remember still my resource teacher, uh, sweet, sweet lady. She meant no harm, but she said, Matt, you'll never graduate from college because you have a disability. And I says, well, but I didn't because intellectual is different than physical, right? Mm -hmm. Can't see it, can't feel it. And so it's really humbling to hear you jumped into this because it, it has a, a sweet spot in my heart because I get those kids. And so as this career went on, how many kids have you helped over the years? I mean, you started, it's been so, a while. When, in seven years, eight years, yeah. um, while we had you know, the nonprofit, I would say there was, and I, and I counted the folders one day because I, I got asked this a lot, 173 wow. um, high-functioning disabilities, ex-felons, and I'm a veteran, so I helped in that number is also disabled veterans. So you, you had a veterans involved in that as well. Absolutely. Okay. So, so this is cool. I mean, that you went from doing all this career and now falling into a nonprofit. Now you've, you've moved away from nonprofits since then. Um, and now you're doing real estate and some other stuff, but you're still giving back. So right. tell us a little about what you're doing. Cause I want to get into more of that. Cause uh, sometimes our purposes shift a little bit. And, and it doesn't mean you're still are not giving you, you've shifted a little bit, but you still love giving back and giving nonprofits. So where are you at right now with your career? What, what's so changed? So right now I'm a new real estate agent, even though I've been around it my whole life and that's I'm going very well. I've always done landscape design, you know, for landscape projects, commercial, residential. And so I've been doing that for a while now as well. Um, and I sit on the a board at UNLV the UNLV Veterans Alumni Board, and this is a board made up of um, veterans that have graduated from UNLV. Wow. And so there was another board I sat on at UNLV, which was called uh, FOCUS, and that was part of the um, Department of Education, and that was helping um, adults with high-functioning disabilities um, get into college. Mm -hmm. And so you know, every step along the way, right? It's, it's like at that time it was, it was, it served a purpose. It was collaborating. I was learning, they were learning and we created some great programs. And, um, you know, then I move over to UNLV veterans alumni and I've been on that on my second year. And so that allows us to do, you know, give backs and look out for um, our veterans in all kinds of walks of life. Mm -hmm. Rather, students, they need mentor, they're looking to get back in school, they've left school, they're looking for careers, jobs. And then, of course, our give back that we do in the community um, is a lot. You know, we, we're always doing something. And this Saturday, we're doing something with the uh, veterans, Southern Nevada Veteran Memorial. We're going to put flags on the, um, and all the tombstones of our forgotten, not forgotten, but are no longer with us. And then we donated a bunch of items to the, you know, the school of medicine, wow. the military resident, resident program 
which is a lot of them are prior enlisted service men and women who are now in um, approaching their residency in med to school? become doctors. Nice. And they're, you know, yeah. There's quite a few of those. So um, yeah, it shifts, you know, it just shifts around. And, and right now we're actually, I'm getting ready to launch the nonprofit yes. weekly TV show. Yes. That's why I wanted you to come on here and talk about this because it's cool that you went from your career that's led us up and, and tell me, I want you to share with the listeners how you came up with this. We were talking about it. It hit you. Where did it hit you? How did you come across it? So um, I was watching a documentary, Bill Gates documentary. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of them. But in, in the one I watched, the person interviewing him asked him, where do all these thoughts and ideas come from? Yeah. And he said two things. When I'm in my car driving, which I don't do as much anymore, or when I'm walking. And I thought... The, that's exactly where my ideas come from is when I'm driving or if I'm walking and just, you know, able to kind of process the thoughts. So I was driving down the street, actually on the highway, I-15, and I thought I'm not in the nonprofit world in, anymore in the sense of that our, you know, our, our center was closed. How can I, what can I do at the next level to help continue helping? And this thought came in my mind and it just, it was just all there. So I literally pulled off on the side of the road and I was a block from UMC off shadow lane, the gas station right there to be exact. And I wrote it all down and I pulled over and I wrote it all down of what was my thought was I was going way North up in North Las Vegas. And where I was going was a, was a, um, a sales call sales appointment. And when I had pulled up to their house, the second um, thought came through and I just added to it. Well, by the time I got home, I had this all lined up just from me simply driving my car is all I did. And then I just, um, I, remember, I remember going back to my office and asking our executive administrator, secretary, I said, hey, here's, here's my thought on this. Can you create a logo that would represent everything I'm talking about? And within an hour, she did exactly that. Wow. And I had this amazing logo and I, I, I go, that's it. There was like very little changes to it. Yeah. And so I thought, wow, this is within like three or four days, it became real. Now I have to find a studio, right? It was the next thing mm -hmm. to do. And I found, um, and, and how that came into place is another, just, it's another great story. But, um, so now we're in that final stages of picking that final place in which, I'm actually going to when we're done here and we're going to start filming this probably in the next 30 days, if not sooner. Nice. And I've been really taking my time on this too. And that's another thing too, is, you know, when we have this thought, you know, I'm impulsive and uh, that's good and bad, but to just take this and if I would have just started rolling right into it with the first studio I went to um, and my first thoughts and not really slowing it down and taking my time, mm -hmm. I know for a fact, it wouldn't be exactly what it's going to be now. So you make a good point. So when somebody has a thought, we talk about purpose and taking action in our purpose. Now, what separates, because you've done a lot of action in your life, because you took, uh, you know, coming from military, going into everything you've done. Somebody's saying, hey, do you want to learn a nonprofit in two weeks? And you're like, sure. Um, what's the difference in this? Now you have this inspiration about the show uh, what separates you from most people that aren't purpose driven? What keeps people from being driven to accomplish their goals? What would you say in that? Fear. 
okay, what, what have you, cause it's scary. I mean, you've never done a show like this. I mean, when you, that thought came to you, how did you overcome that fear of saying nobody's going to listen to me? I don't, how am I the expert in that? What, what have you done to overcome that? Well, I was in radio a long time ago. You know, we have that like-minded and back in Albuquerque, it was on the Kiss FM radio station and right out of the military and just having fun on the weekends. And so, um, and I've done some, um, same movies, some short films, right. And, to, and so that part of it is, was the easy part for me interacting with people. Um, I don't get nervous. You know, I talk in front of large crowds, don't write anything down. And so that was the easy part for me. Um, the hardest part was, was the content part. And like you said, is anybody going to be interested in this and how do we make it, you know, interesting. And there were some times where I put it on the, uh, on the back shelf, you know, and there was probably a couple months I thought, you know, this is a, another idea of mine that's not going to transcribe anything. And so, um, I talked myself out of it. I literally did for about two or three months. I just, I just let it sit there. And then as I'm watching everybody else do things that asked me to help them with getting theirs together, I thought, wait a minute, why, why can't I, why, why don't I have mine? And then on my phone, I got a million pictures and I couldn't find my logo, right? Because I transferred phones. And then no kidding, I woke up one morning and I grabbed my phone and I saw where I put the logo on my advocacy Facebook page. And it said, Hey, you shared this, you know, one year ago, right? You know, the one year's memories. And I thought, Oh my God, there it is. And so I thought, okay, right. I'm watching my friends. I'm helping them. They're asking me, where's yours. The logo just pops up. I go, okay, we're, we're not going to no more back burner. Yeah. Let's get this going. And I really just forced myself to go back out find a studio and talk to people, right? And just put myself um, on the fast track. And I wouldn't let myself, um, I wouldn't give myself any excuses. You know, does that make sense? It does a hundred percent. Cause great people that have been purpose driven, like Walt Disney, mm-hmm. uh, we can go through many greats, right? Cause um, all of them, even Henry Ford. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at if they would have, he would have asked somebody, Hey, what, how do you want the car built? They would have just said, make the horse go faster because they didn't have a vision of it. Right. He had a purpose. He created this car in his garage while Disney had a huge vision. You have this vision that most people look at it and go, what are you thinking, Aaron? That's right. crazy. Why would you do that? Right. Um, but what, what does it, you know, us visionaries, um, it's hard to explain sometimes to people because like it, it's, it's, anxiety of wanting to help and do greater things right mm-hmm. is that a good way to put it oh absolutely yeah so to speak on that a little bit because i know when i tried as a visionary to share somebody um what it's like being a visionary some people look at me kind of strange so well let's put it to you this way uh, a lot of my friends i used to share all my ideas with my friends and um, you know when when things wouldn't happen with all the the vision mm-hmm. you know then people s- don't take you as serious mm. is what I learned. Yes. So what I, what I've done instead is I know who to ask and, and who not to right, and who to bother and who not, but I just write them down. So, you know, I, I write them down. I have a book where I go, okay, here's something that, that could stick. Here's something that'd be really great. And then before I tell anybody about it, I just, I just let it resonate. Mm. 
And I thought, okay, here's this thought. And the, and the next thing is, how am I going to get it done? Right? Because I'm constantly thinking of new ideas and new ways of doing it. And so, um, and it's just when I, when I know I can get it done, when I have the right things in place and I know I can get it done, then that's when I start sharing it. Yeah. But you're right. It's a, it's a, it's a talent. Um, I call it a cursed talent because, yes. um, you know, if I had the backing and, and, you know, a hundred million dollars in the bank, I could probably start three new companies every day. Good. And yeah. that's the truth. Right. There's, but, there's a guy like us. His name's uh sir, sir. Uh, what's his name now? I forget. Virgin mobile. Uh, he runs. His, yes. He is just like what you're talking about. He is, uh, just like us. He's a visionary, but one of the pieces I think that's really helped me over this is having an integrator, having a partner that can take my visions and put it into really. And that's, mm-hmm. that's been my, uh, my brother. He's really drove home. We always joke. He's Roy and I'm Walt. Right. And he'll tell me it's a bad idea or we just can't do it right now. So it's nice. Like you said, to have that one person you can go to to bounce off your ideas. Cause I used to do the same thing. And everybody look at me kind of strange and, and we have so many ideas going that we can't do all of them at once. Right. So we have to pick, uh, which yeah. ones is, 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 uh, but now one thing I've really liked and I've seen over my career is this show, this show that you're planning on launching can come into multiple ideas. And a lot of people don't realize that now one visionary to another, um, you see the possibilities, right? So we, we were talking about that, um, before the show, uh, how do, why do you think people have an issue when they, because of that fear or they're worried about what other people think, why do people have an issue of taking action when they have ideas? Cause that's the fear part, but there's a little bit more. Do you think it's about, I'm worried what people will think, or I can't do it, or I'm going to fail. I think, um, rejection, rejection, Just expand on that a little bit. Well, you know, with rejection, nobody, nobody wants to feel like they failed. Right. Mm-hmm. And, if you have an idea um, and, and you're being rejected to, you know, uh, can't find the money for it or you can't find the people to support it, um, you know, enough, uh, you get enough of that in a, in a couple mm-hmm. of days and, and you'll just forget about doing something altogether, right? So overcoming those rejections with the desire to um, not give up and find different ways to make it work. And so um, I accepted the fact a long time ago that, that, majority of my ideas nothing will transpire from them mm-hmm. but with the other ones the other 20 or 30 percent uh, they do and they have so i'm okay with that because yeah. if because of if all the ideas came to something there's just not enough hours in the day to do them all right no. and so it's not practical but each vision bounces off the other vision and so it, it kind of it helps me separate you know, the different, different thoughts of what's realistic, what's being grandiose, you know, do I, um, what is it going to take for me to get this? You know, if I don't know anything about it, okay, then maybe we should just put this on the shelf and let's go back to what I know or yep. what I have access to. Yeah. And I like what you said, cause not every idea is going to take off, but what's cool about it is I think we've learned as, as a, as we get older in a visionary standpoint and, and the driver is that, if I have 50 ideas, I can get one out of that 50. And that's, that's a true entrepreneur because a lot of people will say, well, I just need to go get a job, but it, it's not hardwired in our genes, right? Right. Um, yeah. Because I, mean, I can put 50 ideas up and we can 
out of that 50, as we've got wiser, we can find one that would, uh, would really be successful because of our failures and our losses. Do you agree on that? Because I've got better to look at the ideas and say, okay, that's a winner. Uh, when I was younger, I didn't know because they were just, I didn't have the experience. Uh, speak to that like a little bit because I think a lot of times um, newly entrepreneurs, because uh, we're in a millennial time and I don't, I don't want to pick on the millennials, but I'll kind of, because um, they, you know, on social media now, everybody's an entrepreneur, an author, a speaker. Right. But they, I always ask, what have you entrepreneured? What have you speak? You know, because right. it's easy now because there's so much noise. How has your experience helped you to be an entrepreneur? Because you've done a lot. Well, I've taken and they've, got, you know, the, the experience over the years is, you know, airline management, property management, you know, bartending, serving. Um, nonprofit, law enforcement, military, right now, real estate, um, construction, you know, the landscape design and when it's being installed, it's definitely construction management. So um, I just take all those things and just, you know, just tie it in and um, take what, take what I'm good at is what it comes down to. You know, what, what can I excel at? What am I great at? And if more of the, I'm not so good at it adds up, well, then that's probably not a good idea, I guess mm -hmm. is my point. So I just take all those different things and, and because it, I have a wide range of experience, it's allowed me to, to finally figure out the do's and the don'ts of, okay, you know, if, if you're just working at one job your whole career, then uh, it's difficult to get out of it, right? So mm -hmm. by having different careers, different jobs, I've been around different people, different leadership styles, been around corporate, small businesses, so just seeing how the whole big picture operates and then me um, being at the helm of the nonprofit, now it was my turn. Yeah. So uh, what was I good at? What was I not? What was I, I kept trying to do that no matter what I did, I just, it just wasn't my thing. And so what I've learned now is that um, I didn't look at it as a failure. I did then. What, what I look at it now is excel at the things that I'm, that I know how to do and I'm good at. And, hire somebody huh. to do the rest because what happens is when I was trying to do it all and I wasn't doing it all, then that's where I was rejecting myself. Things were falling off. Things yep. were, I was like, this is not, this is not going to work. And it's not, you know, for me, it's like, it's one thing to own a mechanic shop. Right. And then all of a sudden now you have to be the mechanic. Yes. Well, I'm here to run the business, employ the guys, create a great service to the, to the community. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then, but I'm not a mechanic. Yeah. So because I'm not a mechanic, does it mean that I can't run a successful mechanic shop? And I think that's where a lot of people get discouraged is because they don't feel like they're the expert in every single aspect of it. Yeah. Richard Branson with Virgin Atlantic Airlines. He right? had no clue. He, had, he doesn't know how to fly a plane. No. Maybe a small one, but he doesn't know how to fly a, a jumbo jet. Or drive a train. Drive a train. And that's and he, and he clearly tells everyone in a lot of his interviews is that I don't, that's not what I, that's not me. That's not, I hire people mm -hmm. to do those things. Yeah. I'm here to create thought, run everything, and then I hire those. And like when we talked on the phone, Bill Gates is another example. The interviewee said, how do you, how did you learn all these different things in life? And behind them was this huge bookcase. Yeah. And he kept pointing to it. And he says, listen, everybody's under the, under the assumption that, that I have all the answers. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I don't. 
where did I learn how to do a lot of the things that I've done is the books behind me. In my eyes, there are far more people that I would consider experts than my own self. Yeah. And that was interesting because you would think that everyone should read a Bill Gates book. And he even said, before you read one of my books, here's three that you should read first because you might get more out of it. And, and it's, it's interesting because Bill Gates talks about this dissemination of knowledge. Like, I love knowledge and it's kind of fun to sit here. Is it, is it kind of weird to be interviewed by one of your short bus kids? <laughs> yeah, man. He's, I was one of those kids that you helped over. I, I'm just kind of, it's cool. Right. It's, it's cause it's kind of fun how the things come around in circles. Right. Um, and the biggest thing, what Bill Gates said, you know, even though I struggled with that learning uh, that I shared um, in several podcasts before is, is I love learning. I don't know. It's like, it's kind of like a love hate relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I don't do the traditional learning, but I, I listen to one book a month, just like what Bill said. And I think um, all the greats, all those influencers, they, you better have a power hour where you're, where you're learning and you're really digesting stuff every day because you can't change things. I mean, like right now, it's a different world right now. We never thought this was going to come, the pandemic we're dealing with. And, and I use the term, I don't know if you've ever read the book, Who Moved My Cheese? Um, it's a great book. Um, and it just talks about, we're so used to having our cheese in one place and now the cheese has been moved. Uh, we never thought the world was shut down the way it was. And, and so it's really threw us for a loop and it takes creative people like purpose driven people or visionaries. What are we going to do now that things are opening back up and, and stuff? Do you want to speak on that? As we end the show, I want you to give some advice. What would be three things or some things you would leave with everybody out there dealing with this? Um, cause you've been a very driven person in your life. What, what's kept you positive in this? Well, like anything else, this shall pass, you know, and, yeah. um, with every bad comes good. And there's a lot of unfortunate, um, situations out there, but also whenever something bad happens, there's also new opportunity. So look at it as opportunity. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, um, they had their personal fears of finally now wanting to start their own business or get away from, from what they've been trying to escape their whole life. And a lot of people that I know personally, they have used this opportunity. So took a bad minute opportunity to finally do that. And so I guess by staying, you know, looking at no matter what happens, right. I remember when nine 11 happened and I was working on the strip, I was, a server at the SPN zone at the New York, New York. And I remember the planes that morning actually was on my way to, you know, class, but that night I had a shift at the restaurant mm-hmm. and I thought, Holy cow, we're done. This is, this is going to close us down. We're never going to recover. I'm going to be on the streets. And you know what? That served a great purpose for me because right during that time, uh, my grades had slipped at, you know, the, mm-hmm. And they were um, getting ready to put me on a um, suspension. I mean, that's pretty much what it was. It was a wake-up call is what they call it. So I used that opportunity to buckle down, tighten up, you know, and then look at, okay, what's the next move for me? Because I'm going to school, I'm working at the restaurant. So um, it allowed me to, to take something that was bad. And you know what? It also helped me become more of a grinder, you know, more of a hustler whatever word that you want to use, because I knew that, that by surviving, it wasn't going to come from the restaurant. Mm. 
or the airline that I worked at that got shut down. So, um, you know, it always works out at the very end, no matter how bad the situation is, when it's all said and done, and sometimes it takes a while to get there, sometimes years, but when it's all said and done, it always works out. And I agree. I think, uh, you know, over history, history, I love history. History always tells us we've been through this. It's just now our turn in this generation to go through something like this. Uh, we, it, you know, the news has been referencing the Spanish flu, that pandemic, and, and there's been several others. It's just now our turn to shine. What are we going to do? My grandma was in uh, World War II and uh, the depression, the Great Depression happened. And and, and, and so it's really, it's weird because muscle memory, we don't know how to deal with it. Uh, to be locked down is not normal, but what do we do with it? And that's, that's the big thing. And it's really good because, you know, one of the things I had to do is, is keep, keep going purpose wise, because there was moments where it, it struggles. I mean, people are going to be doing it and it's exciting. Where do you see yourself with your real estate? What are you going to do now that things are opening back up? What, what's your goal? You know, so I'll be, I'll be 45 this year and, mm -hmm. and my friends always joke that, you know, at the beginning of the year, it's going to be you know, something new again. So what I've learned is to stop being in control mm -hmm. of everything, right? Because I was the control freak, the OCD in me would try to control every move. And I, you know, what I've learned over the years is, is that if I just take a step back and let things flow, then that's when things really do flow. Yeah. So what the show is coming up next, uh, next month, two months, it'll be out. And I'm really excited about that. And so what happens after the show, and we spoke about it, yes. is there's a lot of great possibilities of, you know, a podcast, which that will be turned into a podcast as well. But, you know, does that get into the, you know, the speaking engagements or, I mean, the list goes on and on. So, um, you know, I've jotted those ideas down. I'm going to do the show. I'm putting my heart and soul in it. We're going to invite nonprofits on to talk about their mission, volunteering, donating, um, you know, what events do they have going on in town and highlight a lot of those that don't have the opportunity to speak about it. So we're going to, we're going to do that. And then what comes from that, I know is what's supposed to, and that's part of the journey. Yeah. So as far as real estate, I've been around it my whole life. My grandfather owned a brokerage in Malibu. And so my cousins are, you know, investors, my whole family. So um, it's a great source of income. I'm a veteran. I really love seeing my veterans become homeowners. Mm -hmm. You know, I lost a house back in the recession. A lot of them are, um, did so as well. And they're finally getting back to becoming homeowners. So uh, I love people, you know, nice. and, and I love designing. I love you know, the housing. It's a great business to be in. It allows me to, expand my give back even more because it it's a it'll be a bigger platform yeah and so the bigger the platform the more i can do so we are uh, moving into some new exciting things and i know that three years from now or maybe two or one like my friends say um it'll be interesting to see what those are going to be yeah it will and and yeah. how can they find you Aaron? where where can they find the show does it have a website where where can We're they going go to launch the social media part of it really quick here. We're going to do some highlight um, tapings first. So uh, right now I'm putting updates on my um, Aaron man, Freddie uh, mm -hmm. community advocate on Facebook. Okay. And then I have a personal website 
right now that has a lot of the stuff that I do, and that's Aaron Manfredi.org. Perfect. It's .com or .org. They both will show up. And then I'm going to put the show on that, on the Facebook. But all this stuff is going to have major, um, you know, branding, advertising. I'm going to put it out, talk about it on a lot of different platforms. Mm -hmm. So for now, the Facebook, it's an open, public, Aaron Manfredi, community advocate. Um, all the updates will be on there. That'll be the first place it goes. Perfect. I, I'm excited about this, and I'm excited about the show, and I hope I can uh, hear the first episode coming up. You, you're going to go hit them out, and you're heading over to check out the studio as we speak, right? As we speak. And uh, this is cool. This is what purpose-driven is, and I want listeners to understand is you can take a purpose from nothing by pulling over to the side of the road, jotting it down, and then following all the way to the end and take massive action. Uh, and that's the key here is you're taking massive action instead of just letting it sit on the shelf, right? Because nobody will do it for you. Right. And the other part of this too is, is I'll close with this is that, um, and I forgot to mention this, but Bill Gates, and they, you know, he said when he has this thought that now it's all walking, he really doesn't mm-hmm. drive much, but when he, and he lives in a forest, right? We know he has a large house in Washington somewhere is that, uh, he said that depending on the thought, he would not come back home until he had exactly what it is that he wanted to do, rather it's coding or his foundation or whatever it may be. And he said, sometimes I'd go for a mile walk. Sometimes the walk would be five or six miles. My wife would be worried. I always had myself on a phone on me, you know? And so, um, you know, he said that and every step that I took or every you know landmark that I hit was me helping me separate you know, the grandiose from, can I do this? And so I guess my point is, is that if you have a thought and you're driving, talk in your phone, right? Or if you have an opportunity, I always carry a tiny little notepad in my yeah. armrest. And that thing is full of notes. And That's awesome. like I said, most of them never come to anything, but one of them is the show and it's still there. Um, and if you are have a thought and you think that, hey, this might be something cool, go for a little walk. Go for a ride on your bike. Yeah, you know, go, think about go, it. go sit in the park and and uh, the weather's great right now, right? The parks are open and just sit there for a couple hours, listen to some music, and bring a little notepad. Take those clarity breaks. And take notes. Yeah. You gotta take notes because I've had some other thoughts that by the time I got home, I, I in all seriousness, I forgot what they were. And there were some pretty good ones. Just because I got sidetracked, you and forgot I couldn't to write remember them. what my thought was. Uh. So write it down. Yes. Writing them down is so important. Well, Aaron, I appreciate you being on the show. I hope we're going to have you back because I want to follow this. Uh, I want to really keep a pulse on how your show goes and just be a part of giving back whatever you're involved. We want to help out as well. Uh, this is cool. I love where you're going with the nonprofits. Uh, some good nonprofits need some airtime. They need to be talked about. Uh, the best kept secrets are out there, right? I see a lot of them. Yeah, this is uh, nobody interviews them. They're so worried about, you know, trying to find ways to get out and with their PR. And it's impossible when we're all in it and and doing what we do. And we both experience that. So now it's sitting them down and and talking about, you know, um, their passion and and their drive as a director and how they got started in it. Because there's some really, really good stories out there. And that's the exciting element of it is that. By me just talking to them in their journeys, because a lot of people start nonprofits because of a thought or something they personally experienced. Yes. And so uh, there's some good stories, and I want to highlight that. And, and I'm I want excited. people to 
it's going to be fun. I'm really excited. We have a list of a dozen already. And so just be patient. As I tell people, we're going to um, tape about six, seven, eight of them right away, slowly release them every two weeks. And uh, we're going to have fun with it. And mm. it's, it's coming. It's coming. Well, thanks for being on the show again. And if you're listening, you can go to Aaron's website, as he said, go to his Facebook, follow him because he's going to be interviewing a lot of good nonprofits. But moreover, if you're a nonprofit and you need his help, reach out to him because he has a wealth of knowledge. He can consult you through anything. He can help you. Uh, he does a lot of that now. And so if you're listening, come go to our iTunes and follow us on iTunes. Head over to our Facebook as well and check it out and all the other episodes. Hey, this is Matthew Cox, your host with Purpose Driven Person. And thank you for listening today. And always remember, don't give up. Take care, guys. Hey, guys, thank you for listening to the Purpose Driven Person podcast. Something I said today resonated with you. Head over to my website. I'd love to give you a free gift to download. But you can also email me at purposedrivenperson at gmail.com. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And remember, guys, always continue to push your dreams and never give up. I'll see you next time. Take care.